Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. You guys have probably gathered this. I'm rather long-winded. My wife tells me I'm an over-explainer. So, you know, you guys remember what we're talking about. This guy, what did you say? Me flipping my cousin on roller lilies. Yes, if you forget everything else, just remember that I did that and it's terrible. But she forgave me. Okay. No, this is one of my brother's shirts. How is it? Thank you. Oh, you can leave the house lights up. I like to, I like to look at everybody. Thank you, Paige. Um, who knows who this band is? Anybody? Did I go to this tour in 1968? I did not. Ouch. Um, uh, Pink Floyd, you, you, sir, will wait for your funny story. I do have one planned. You are. Look at you. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. Let's focus. Our circle, right? We, we kind of touched on this, but as we end today, I think the most important thing for us to end on, the most important thing for us to um, kind of be committed to and aware of moving forward is the contrast. Can you guys read that? No, let's flip it up. The contrast between God's will and my will. Okay? Kind of what all this boils down to is when we do in our selfishness and in our sinful nature, when we do what we want to do, it leads to the bad things. Okay? Even when we think and when, when we hope for the best, if it's not God's will, it will lead to darkness, selfishness, slavery, death, all these things. So one of the most important disciplines that we as followers of Jesus, as children of God, need to get into the habit and into the practice of doing is that prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden. He said, if there is any other way <laughs> that, that we can offer eternal life, that we can defeat the devil and sin and death, if there's any other way, can we do that way? But not my will. Yours be done. And he went through with it. We see all throughout the story of the Bible, people doing their will and what it leads to. Several times, I found two, um, but several times in the book of Judges, it says this, all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes, which I'm not a big, like, Sometimes I'll go to like a conference or listen to a sermon or something, and um, it's very much like, oh, you know, the world out there, they're teaching you all this terrible stuff. And there is some terrible stuff. There is some good stuff. But I, I will say one thing I have noticed is right now there's this, there's this emphasis in our culture of like truth comes from you, Right? Like live your truth, um, be yourself, and you know, 
Um, and I think there are elements of truth within that, but anywhere a lie gets in, it will derail the whole thing, right? So we need to understand that, that when people do what's right in their own eyes, that often means doing wrong to another, right? I'm, I need to hurt you to take care of me, right? Out of fear, out of anger, out of envy, whatever it might be, we often, doing right in our eyes, doing right by us, often means hurting or belittling um, or defeating another person. At this time in uh, the history of the nation of Israel, um, which this is who this is talking about, oh my goodness, the darkest chapter of the Bible I'm not even going to tell you what it is, but it's in Judges. There's a horrific story. And these are supposed to be like God's chosen people doing atrocities to one another. Just depraved, disgusting things. But it was right in their eyes, right? I'm not going to tell you. Listen, the Bible is not... <laughs> you need to read it with an adult. I'll just say that. There are parts of the Bible you need to read with an adult. You get in there... There's some wild stuff in there, okay? So that is what happens. Uh, we hurt each other. When we're doing right in our own eyes, it often leads to harming another person. Uh, Proverbs says, there's a way that seems right to a man, to a person, but its end is the way to death. Even Jesus, like we just said, was tempted. I don't know. This is such a confusing thing for me. If any leaders have any insight on this, I would love just a two-second maybe explanation. But when Jesus says, like, what does it mean for Jesus and God the Father to have different wills? I don't know. That's kind of like a really, like, that's like a mind stumper. Um, but it really doesn't matter because Jesus recognized that anything outside of the will of God is then connected to, associated to, and will lead to all of these other terrible things, ultimately death. And so Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. And he did the will of the Father. And what did it lead to? Abundant, eternal life offered to anybody that wants it anybody that would say yes to Jesus. That's what happens when we follow the will of God. And Jesus knew that. I have another fun video for you, Bible Project on YouTube. I'm telling you guys, just get in there. Just give it a chance. If you don't like it, you don't have to subscribe, like, follow, and share. But if you do, go for it. It's awesome. All right, let's check it out. Now, humans aren't spiritual beings. In Genesis 1 and 2, they're made of the dirt, like the animals. But notice that God calls humans to become something more. He elevates them to live and rule in Eden, the place where heaven and earth are one. And they're invited to eat from the tree of life. And what does that mean, to eat of the tree of life? Well, it's an image of receiving God's own eternal life into yourself. It's about a whole new kind of existence. So wait, physical beings living forever. How could that even work? Well, somehow sharing in God's life transforms our bodies so that we can inhabit heaven and earth at the same time. 
And it also transforms our imagination so that we learn how to rule the world like God in the power of love. This is an amazing calling, but humanity is quickly deceived by a spiritual rebel. Yes, he lies to the humans, saying that they can rule and get eternal life on their own terms. And God exiles all of them from the garden. They're cut off from the source of true life. Evil and death now have power over us, and we live in a world of fear, self-preservation, violence. But God promises that one day a human will come to defeat evil and death at their source and to open up a new way to a reunited heaven and earth. And this promise reaches its fulfillment in Jesus. Right. When we're introduced to Jesus, he's a human, but he's also way more. Yeah. We're told that in Jesus, God and humanity have become one so that he can restore the rest of humanity to its lost calling. And Jesus was tested by that same deceptive spiritual being, not in a garden, but out in the wilderness. Yeah, it tells Jesus the same lie. You could rule the whole world right now if you come under my authority and do things my way. But Jesus knew that that lie leads to death. So he rejected it and was victorious over the spiritual power of evil. And so then Jesus started announcing that God's heavenly rule was arriving here on earth through him. And so he went around confronting the power of death in his healings and his exorcisms. Jesus was opening the way back to eternal life, to rule with God and become new humans. Yes, he also confronted our imaginations by teaching how corrupt spiritual powers enslave whole communities with their lies. Lies like, my tribe is superior to your tribe. But Jesus said every human is an image of God. Or the lie that power comes through force. While Jesus taught that real power requires sacrifice and generosity. Or the lie that peace comes through violence. Well, he said that true peace comes through self-giving love. This is a new kind of humanity. Yeah, a humanity transformed by God's life and his love. And Jesus didn't just talk about these ideals, he lived them out. Yeah, exactly. He brought God's heavenly kingdom to Jerusalem to confront the powers. In fact, that's what got him arrested. Well, so maybe the way of Jesus can't win over evil. But from Jesus' point of view, his coming death was actually a battle. A battle? Yeah, not against humans, but against the real enemy, the spiritual powers that enslave us through their lies. Jesus gave his life and let evil do its worst. But God's love has the power to create life, even out of death. That's what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. And the reason Jesus is human, but a new kind of human. Yeah, when Jesus' followers met him alive from the dead, he had a transformed body that could live in heaven and earth at the same time. He's like a new category of human, one that can live and rule with God forever. Jesus is the new humanity that we're called to become. Right. He said that all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. And then he sent out his followers to announce that his eternal life is available to us now in the present. We can experience eternal life now? Well, Jesus said that eternal life is knowing this God of love so that our imaginations can be transformed as we're liberated to love God and to love our neighbor. And we trust that even if we die, God's love will transform our bodies and raise us up into the new creation. And that's how the story of the Bible ends. Yeah, the ending is a new beginning with Jesus and the new humanity ruling in a united heaven and earth together. Okay, so I, I, I don't know if you caught it, but they talk about the end of it all, but how it starts right now 
living out God's kingdom right now in our schools, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, loving our parents, our classmates, our friends, our bullies, everybody, right? Paul contrasts, the apostle Paul contrasts the way things are without Jesus to the way things are with Jesus, like this in Galatians chapter 5. He says, when you follow the desire of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have said before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, this is very important that you understand this, not because God is like, you stink, I don't want you here with all your foolishness, but because people choose not to let go of their foolishness. Do you understand that? They inherit what they get from their foolishness. God wants them to turn and have abundant life. Do you understand that concept? He's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. He hurts for you. He, he, when he sees the brokenness in your life and in your soul, he longs for you to come to him for abundant life. It's very important we understand that. Okay, but he says God's Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Have you guys heard the song? Do you know the song? You know the song? Should we do, should we do just one verse of it right now? <clears throat> you don't know it? Okay, everybody stand up. Come on. Who knows the song? I didn't hold the microphone for you. Come, just come up here. Anybody that wants to, I don't care. Come up here. Okay, you remember how it starts? Hand your head. Oh, oh, oh. The fruit of the spirit is not a banana. The fruit of the spirit is but a nana. If you want to be a banana, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the spirit because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithful, gentleness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithful, gentleness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah, give it up for her. You can have a seat. I love that song. I don't get to work at camp. I don't work at camp anymore, so I don't get to do stuff like that very often. So when I have my chance, I'm going to take it. Okay. Um, the fun thing about that song is you can do it all the way home in the car. And you don't just have to do fruits. My favorite one is Jolly Rancher. The fruit of the spirit is not a Jolly Rancher. You see it? It's like the wrapper, the twisty parts on that. Okay. All right. Um, <clears throat> a friend of mine did a message at my church recently, and she read from a, what is the message? You guys know the message? It's not a um, translation. It's a paraphrase, right? So this is not like Bible Bible. It's just a, a really faithful 
um, man and team of people who love the Lord got together and were like, hey, we're going to try to make this a little more understandable. And this is the way he described what we just read in Galatians chapter 5. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. We did this, when did we do this? Yesterday, at some point. If you read this list off to somebody, you're like, would you like this to be a part of your life? Show of hands, anybody? No, didn't think so? This is terrible, nobody wants this, right? The problem is, when you say, this is what happens when we do what we want. Then people are like, well, I wanna do what I want, but I don't want this, you know? We think we can, what's the saying? Have our cake and eat it too? Never understood that. I don't, I don't know what that means. We think we can do what we want and experience the goodness of God. We can disobey him. We can live life opposite of what he wants for us and still experience it. It's silly, okay? But Paul says, what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that a fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. You take these lists, you line them up. We all want what is on the left. We want the glowy words. We want the peace, the love, the joy, the abundant life. But are we willing to, when the time comes, and it comes all day, every day, are we going to do God's will or are we going to do our will? I will say the two can be in alignment, right? Like when, when I am really seeking the Lord and I'm listening to him and I'm, I'm trying to, right? Oftentimes my will comes into alignment, but it does not go the other way, okay? We don't talk God into doing things our way, right? He has shown us what is good. He has shown us what leads to abundant life. So as we live that out, as we seek him, it's like, it's like anything. Does anybody play an instrument in here? What do you play? Saxophone, clarinet, violin, trumpet, guitar. Does anybody play the guitar? <laughs> Does anybody know what a keytar is? Okay, I thought we were going to have like a reverse situation of Riz from last night. We're going to need an older person to explain to the young people. But you guys, you guys got it. It's like an instrument. What about sports? Does anybody play sports? What sports do you play? 
lacrosse, soccer. Um, let's do this. Raise your hand if you play basketball. Raise your hand. Okay, put your hand down. Raise your hand if you play lacrosse. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you play soccer. Awesome. Put your hands down. Okay. Whether it is an instrument, whether it is a sport, whether it is a second language, whether it is art, whatever it is, when you first started doing it, were you good at it? Somebody said, yes, I am a prodigy. I will be selling my artwork for millions to you peasants. Um, no, we're not good at it. But if you quit, you don't get any better, right? As we grow, this, this term, this word's a big word, sanctification. Can you guys say that? Sanctification. It means that God is helping us. He is removing the things from us as time goes on that are harmful to us and others and, and, and just allowing uh, the glory of his image that we already bear to be what remains. He's, he's, in a sense, he's like burning away the bad things so, so that the good things will remain. Sanctification that does not happen overnight, friends. Yes, you receive all of the promises. Yes, you receive the, the spirit of God when you say yes to Jesus. But it takes time. Don't look at your youth leader and be like, why aren't I there yet? This, you know, look at them and say, I hope to be at their age faithful like they are. I hope to be a servant like they are. I hope to have control over my temper like they do. I hope to love unconditionally like they do. But it, it very likely will take some time. On that note, really quick, can, can all the leaders just stand up for a second? Because I am getting paid to be here. The staff, obviously, this is their job, right? Your leaders, most of them, are here they work during the week, and then they signed up for a weekend of sleeplessness and running around with you little hooligans because they love you. Can we please just say thank you to our youth leaders? Give them a hug if they're huggers. Give them a high five if they're high fivers. Give them a thank you if they, you know, have a personal bubble. All right, our final takeaway for the weekend. I got to be quick because I have one more story for you. So you got to be quick. When we accept what Jesus did for us and submit to God's will, we begin living the way that we've been meant to live all along. This includes multiplying healthy relationships by introducing other people, classmates, teammates, band members, fill in the blank, siblings, neighbors, introducing them to these truths. There's a saying, who said this? Um, Preach the gospel always when necessary, use words. Has anybody, has anybody heard that before? Who's, who said that? It's like uh, Brennan Manning or somebody. Anyway, so I, I say that to say this. Um, when I was your age, and I was doing all kinds of dumb stuff. Um, I thought, I was like, oh my gosh, 
I have to like go around and knock on my neighbor's doors and be like, if you died tonight, do you know where you would go? Right? Like I was that is, I was like, I'm not doing that. I do not want to do that. Um, that's not right. Uh, Paul, the apostle Paul, and I think Peter as well, give like a list of like spiritual gifts. Some of them are like hospitality, <laughs> not like evangelism, preaching, teaching. Like that's not what everybody's called to do. Okay. Jesus says, people, the world will know you are mine by how you love. Specifically, it is act act in a loving way, not because you stand up in the middle of math class and you're like, excuse me, I have something much more important than long division. Uh, Jesus, right? Like nobody's asking you to do that. That would actually be pretty disrespectful. Please don't do that unless, well, no, I don't know. Talk to your youth leader about it. Um, nobody's asking you to do that. What God wants you to do is just live it out. Be kind, be helpful, put other people's needs in front of your own. When you go to lunch on Tuesday, if it's not a snow day, we maybe Wednesday, this is going to be trying to pick a four-day weekend. You're going to have your, your ranch weekend, and then you're going to have a regular weekend. I don't know, this is awesome. Um, okay, so when you, whenever you go back to school, you go to the cafeteria, don't be that guy who runs to the front of the line and is like, yep, I got here first, you know? Be the guy who holds the door so other people can get in line first. It's little things like that. Anybody can do that, right? Do you have hands, yes or no? You can hold a door. <laughs> it's little things. It's service. It's love. It's humility. Some of you in a room this size, I know some of you, God is going to use, and I've met some of you. Some of you have are very charismatic, big personalities, vocal. It's awesome. I love it. You will be here someday doing this, and that's great, but this is not for everyone. What is for all of us, even the people who will be here doing the big speaking, talking parts, for all of us, it is to be humble, to serve, to love well. That's what it is. That's what it is. I kind of summed up all of these takeaways throughout the weekend to one thing, okay? Because this a lot, this is a lot of words to remember. So just, I want us to remember this. God loves you and he wants to give you the gift of abundant life. That's the whole idea of this come alive theme. That's John 10, 10. Jesus said, I have come to serve, to suffer and to die and to pass through death, defeat it and sin, paving the way through life, through death, to provide you with abundant eternal life because he loves you. That's it. That's what we're talking about this weekend. So I want to give you guys one thing. Well, do you want, we should probably do the story first, and then we'll close with the thing I want to do. Okay. I'm not going to tell you how old I was but I was old enough to know better. I'll say that. I was at summer camp. Anybody do summer camp? They probably told you, yeah, you do, Graceland. They probably told you they do camp here. The camp I went to in Florida, my aunt ran it, so like, you know, but even still, it, it's not as good as this camp. I'm sorry, Aunt Jackie. 
she knows it too. Um, if you want to go to summer camp, you should come to camp here. It's incredible. Um, so we're at summer camp and um, it was Florida. It's weird down there. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. Don't recommend it. But um, uh, I grew up in Florida and we took like a, we took a field trip or something to like a water park. It's pretty cool. And I had a major crush on this girl, Rochelle. Rochelle, my first love. <laughs> so we're at this water park and I am like, I, I am like, wherever she's going, I'm going. I had no fear that day. I'm not a big, like, scary adrenaline ride type person, but I was like, if she goes on the one where, like, the floor drops out, I will be there right next to her. And I'm going to do it. I was smitten. Um, it is ridiculous. I was way too young for this. Um, so we're standing. It was one of those slides. Um, who's going to the Hershey Park? water park, right? They have those like concrete slides up or, or steps up to like the side. So we're standing there. The stairs are soaking wet. We're all soaking wet. Everything because we're at a water park, right? I didn't want to leave Rochelle's side, but I really had to go to the bathroom. I'm going to give this to you as just a free tip. Running water is not the same as standing water. Because I thought, hey, we're all wet anyway. Everything's wet. If I go to the bathroom, there's hundreds of people. I may not see her again until we leave. I didn't want that to happen. So I just peed right there. And to my horror... I still, like, cringe to this day. <laughs> Rochelle looks down. <laughs> and she looks up. And she says three words. You'd never want to hear someone that you have a crush on say to you. Are you peeing? <laughs> Guess what I said? I said nothing. I turned around and I walked away. Moral of the story. Well, you can pee in a bathroom in a toilet at a water park. The moral of the story is, oh, say it again. That was so good. Don't let girls walk you like a dog. Or boys. Or boys. Don't let anybody walk you like a dog. Man. Okay. Listen, I know I'm past time. It was worth it, okay? It was worth it. Okay, here's the thing. We got we to gotta be done. I want to teach you guys this prayer. We're going to say it together. It's the prayer Jesus said. It is short. It is easy to memorize. And, and I want you guys to get in the habit of saying it all the time, okay? When I say, you repeat. Not my will, 
but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. When someone hurts me. Well, okay, sorry, we're not repeating. I should have told you that. When somebody hurts you and you are tempted to hurt them back, you just, in your head, to the Lord, real quick, say, not my will, but yours be done. Because you know what? We looked at this scripture. Does God want them to hurt? No. Does God want them to be repaid back for what? No. Because Jesus went to the cross for the sin they committed against you. No get backs. You hear me? No get backs. Not my will, but yours be done. When you forgot or didn't have time to or chose to play video games instead of study and you're tempted to cheat, not my will, but yours be done. Get into the habit of doing this again and again all day long. And we can confidently and willingly step away from our will into God's will because we know what he wants for us. Abundant life. Joy that is separate from our circumstances. Peace that does not make sense. Love, real true, genuine love. When we step away from our will and we say, not my will, I'm going to do your will, God. We leave darkness. We leave pain, suffering, the cycle of sin. And we experience the abundant life God created us for. You guys pray with me. God, you're so good. You are the the source and giver of life. You're the source of love. God, I thank you for my friends um, that I got to spend this weekend with. Um, as, As they go home and and settle back into uh, regular everyday life. Um, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that these truths that we've been talking about this weekend would be planted in their hearts, in my heart, in their leader's hearts, in, in the band's heart, in the RVR staff's heart, God, that they would take root within us and begin to grow, bearing the fruit of love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that we may, be, that we may begin to experience the abundant life leaving behind our own desires, the darkness, the sin, the selfishness, and walk confidently, surrender and submit to you, our good God who loves us. We thank you for your love. We receive it. 
And God, we want to share it. Open our eyes to show us the opportunities that we will have today before we leave this building to love others well. You gave us the greatest example in Jesus. So it is to him that we look and it is in his name that we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.